May I speak to you in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I've always loved the phrase, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. I've loved the sense of hope that that phrase contains, that our origins and our limitations don't define us, that there's always room for growth and that there's possibility for each one of us. It's not where you start, it's where you finish. Nicodemus, it turns out, is the patron saint of it's not where you start, it's where you finish. His story, the first part of which we've just heard, weaves like a thread through John's gospel. And while that first encounter with Jesus may seem an inauspicious start, his is actually a story of finishing well. We'll get there, I promise. But even this first story, even this first encounter with Jesus, reminds us that while where we start may not determine how we finish, how you start, how you start does in fact matter a great deal. Nicodemus's story starts, of course, with this story that we've just heard, Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night. Nicodemus, the Pharisee and respected teacher. Nicodemus, the powerful member of the governing council, the Sanhedrin. Nicodemus, the one who is supposed to have all the answers, who is supposed to have it all together, comes to Jesus by night precisely because he doesn't. He doesn't have the answers. He doesn't have it all together. We don't know exactly why he comes. We're not given that detail. But clearly, there's hunger for more. Clearly, there's some question that he wants to ask, some problem he needs to discuss with Jesus that he's too embarrassed to bring to Jesus in the light of day. So he comes to Jesus by night. It's safer that way. He doesn't have to give up his power that way. He doesn't have to risk allowing a relationship with Jesus, a relationship his peers might judge. He doesn't have to allow that to change him in some way. Nicodemus might know in his gut that things need to change, but he's also stuck, resigned to thinking that things might never change. After all, can a grown man enter into his mother's womb and be born again? Aren't things just the way they are? Isn't he just who he is? Jesus, of course, knows that that's not true. He looks at Nicodemus and he loves him. As the old saying goes, God loves us just as we are and God loves us too much to leave us as we are. Jesus looks at Nicodemus and he loves him, and he invites him to consider the possibility that new life might be on offer, that there might be a different way. He invites him to be born of water and of spirit, to begin the great adventure of life with God, the adventure of a life following Jesus, and to experience for himself the freedom of the gospel, to know deep down and with every fiber of his being that he's loved and that he's held and cherished by God. It's a little much 
It's a little much for Nicodemus. It's an invitation he doesn't completely understand. It's an invitation he's not ready to accept just yet. And so he disappears back into the night from which he came. And if that were the end for Nicodemus, it would be a very sad story indeed. If the end of his story was slinking back into that night, never to be seen or heard from again, then it would seem that he started poorly. It would seem that coming to Jesus by night would have been an inauspicious start that foretold a bad end. But it's not the end. That's not where Nicodemus' story ends at all. You see, Nicodemus turns up twice more in John's gospel. He appears again in chapter 7. If you don't believe me, you can check me. He appears in chapter 7 of John's gospel as the chief priests and the Pharisees debate arresting Jesus. And as a member of the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus is there, right in the middle of it all. And while he doesn't exactly bravely speak up for Jesus, he does find the courage to stick his neck out just a bit and to question the process by which all this is unfolding. It's not everything, but it's something. It's a step. And then he appears again. He appears again near the end of the story in John chapter 19 as Jesus' lifeless body is brought down off the cross. It's Nicodemus. Nicodemus, not any of the disciples. It's Nicodemus who asks for it. It's Nicodemus who bravely goes to Pilate and asks for the body of Jesus that he might bury it in his own tomb. It's Nicodemus who finds the courage to come out and to claim his identity as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, to publicly identify himself with the one Rome has just put to death when the disciples are nowhere to be found. Truly, it's not where you start. It's where you finish. And Nicodemus finished well. There's no doubt about it. But the longer that I've lived with this familiar story, the more I have come to believe something that I never did before. I've come to believe that Nicodemus finished well precisely because he actually started well. And he started well because he started how he needed to. Where you start may not matter much, but how you start matters a great deal. And Nicodemus finishes well because he starts well, because he starts how he needs to coming quietly, coming by night, coming with the questions on his heart, wrestling with what it all means, and opening himself up just a bit to the possibility of a relationship with Jesus that might change him. I wonder how it is that you and I need to start. I wonder if you've ever felt a little like Nicodemus, if there's something that you, if you feel like there's something that you couldn't possibly not ask, and yet you're scared to ask. Scared to ask, except perhaps in the silence of your own heart. Maybe you're there this morning. One of the gifts of this season of Lent, I think, 
is the emphasis the church places on cultivating and renewing and deepening our personal, private, spiritual practices. Remember all the way back to Ash Wednesday? Remember that gospel we heard in which Jesus challenges us to pray and to fast and to give in secret? When we hear it, it sounds like a challenge not to proudly practice our piety before others. And it is that, but it's also an invitation to draw near to God. An invitation to let everything and everyone else fall away, fade a bit away just a bit so that we have the space we need to tend and to nurture our own life with God our connection with the God in whom we live and move and have our being. And prayer, prayer is that thing that stands at the heart of all of that. Prayer is that open and ongoing conversation with God, that back and forth with God that builds up our connection and trains our eyes and our ears and attunes our heart to notice how God is at work. Lent invites us to be people of prayer. People who find time each day for that time with God, just us and God, as it were, by night, in prayer. Lent invites us, like Nicodemus, to come before God as we are, with our questions and our doubts, our hopes and our fears, asking those things that we need to ask or might be scared to ask, wrestling with those things that we need to wrestle with, and then, as with any good conversation, having the patience and the courage to stop talking and to actually listen, that we, like Nicodemus, might come to hear that truth that God wants and longs to whisper into each of our ears by night. For God so loves the world. God so loves the world that he enters into it. God so loves the world that he comes among us in the person of Jesus Christ to heal and to feed, to teach and to forgive. God so loves the world that he is lifted high on a cross that all might come within the reach of his saving embrace. God so loves the world, that he came not to condemn it, but through his love might save it, and rising from the dead might show us a future beyond our dreaming. My friends, that's the gospel. That's the truth that God longs for us to hear in prayer, that God longs to whisper into our ears by night and to trust with all our being that God knows and loves you and me, each of us and all of us, not as we might be, but as we are. Not just when we finish well, but as we start, fumbling in the dark. Nicodemus came by night. He came with his need. He came with his hunger and his thirst for God, and he began a conversation that would begin to change his life. He didn't know where it would take him. He didn't have all the answers. He wasn't brave enough to claim his faith publicly just yet. And yet he started well 
because he started how and where he needed to. And because he started well, he ended well, not just as a curious onlooker, but as a disciple, as one who claimed his faith, as one who was all in for Jesus. This Lent, my friends, my prayer for us, for you and for me, is that we too might start well, that we might carve out that time each day to dwell with God in prayer, that we might have the courage to get real with God and to bring him our whole selves and to bring our whole selves into the light of his deathless love, that we too might finish well and be counted as disciples of Jesus, as ones who are all in for love of him, for love of the one who loved and loves and will always love us into new life. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.